belong, become, believe. You're listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. The message for October 10th, 2021 is called The Time Is Now. The speaker is John Ray and the location is Vestford Point, Mount Sequoia in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Again, my name is John Ray. Welcome to Grace Church. If you're listening on the podcast, we're really glad that you're joining us that way. And uh, it is great to see so many faces out here today. So, Lorelai, before you leave, how old are you? Seven. So, that's cool because I can kind of remember when I was seven that I couldn't wait until I was ten. You know why? Because ten had two numbers in it. Seven only had one number in it, which is great. Seven's a cool number. But ten had two numbers in it. And then when I was 10, I couldn't wait until I was 12. Because 12 was like you were starting to grow up. Like 12, they were the cool kids. They were the older kids, right, with that? And then I hit 12, and of course I wanted to be what? 16, exactly. Dead on, 16 was the next jump. And then from 16, I wanted to be 18. And 18, I wanted to be 21. And 21, I wanted to go. And then I got to 40, and it started working backwards. It was crazy. Like, I finally made it, right? I I hit 40. I made it. I survived. And I'm supposed to know everything. I'm supposed to have everything. It's all supposed to be worked out by the time you hit 40, right? Yep. And that's what happened for all of us, isn't it? (laughs) No, then it started working backwards. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I'm 40. I feel like I'm 40. Um, I I really wish I was 30 again so that I could take some of this and, and, and do it right this time. And And then it just started going back. And time is weird like that, right? It seems like we're always either looking forward or we're wishing for the past with that. And there's this this term, right, that has entered our common vocabulary, FOMO, right? The fear of missing out, F-O-M-O, FOMO, with that. And it's always that somewhere else somebody is doing something cool and I'm missing out on it. Or or if I had only been at this other place, this would that place would be better. And and it and it paralyzes us. It keeps us actually from enjoying where we are. It keeps us from acting in the present because we're always worried about what we're missing out on somewhere else. And that's connected to this idea in time, right? Is that we think wherever I am in my life, I wish I were somewhere else. I wish I was another age. Or I wish I was in a different place. Or I always wish I was with someone else. And it paralyzes us. It stops us from being present. It stops us from doing the things that are right in front of us. And because of that, we become susceptible to all kinds of temptations all kinds of lies, all kinds of distractions. And so we see this play out in a number of ways that we're going to see, and I'm going to link it to our our text today. Because when we're paralyzed, we may think we know, but we don't know. We're caught up in our head. We're not actually doing anything. And you see, what we see time and time again 
is this instruction that the essence of knowing is in the doing. It's not in the thinking about it. It's not in the wishing you were somewhere else. It's not about in imagining something else. It's actually about entering into and participating where you are with that. Now, those of you who are joining us for the first time, we're, we're going through the book of Romans. But we're kind of taking a weird take on it. We're going through it backwards. So we started at the end because, as most of you know, there's probably been more written on the book of Romans than any other book in the Bible. I mean, it's just, it's the foundation of the Protestant Reformation 500 years ago. All of these things. But what we're starting to see is that when we start backwards and we see who it was addressed to, who was delivering it, how it was delivered, to whom it was delivered, and what the emphasis are, is that really it's more than a systematic theology. Romans is a pastoral epistle. It is a pastoral work written to a specific group of people in a specific time dealing with specific issues. But just to say that doesn't mean that there's no application for us because many of the application or many of the things that they were dealing with, we are dealing with as well. We're going to see that today with this. So let's, let's look in. We're jumping in. This is chapter 13, verse 8. And I'm going to read from the message. Normally we use the net translation, but today we're going to use the message because it really gives a good feel, I think, for what Paul is saying. And, and we've been saying that this is what Paul and Phoebe are teaching because Phoebe was the original woman who delivered the letter. She was the one who taught the letter to the churches. So Paul and Phoebe are saying this to us. And Eugene Peterson, by the way, because he wrote the message. Um, don't run up debts except for the huge debt of love you owe one, you owe each other. When you love others, you complete the law that has been after all along. The law code, don't sleep with another person's spouse, don't take someone's life, don't take what isn't yours, don't always be wanting what you don't have, and don't and any other don'ts you can think of finally adds up to this. Love other people as well as you love yourself. You can't go wrong when you love others. When you add up everything in the law code, the sum total is love. Now, this is an interesting take, and we saw something. So we develop all of our, our teachings here together as a team. We get together and we talk about them, and we were talking about it this week, and there was something that really stood out about this. If I ask you, what is the greatest commandment, what would you say? Right, love, your, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? Jesus, that's how Jesus answered, so we're, that's pretty good authority, right? If Jesus answered that, we're, we're pretty good authority that that's what it is. Paul is addressing the same thing here, though. He's telling, he's telling the Romans, hey, this is the greatest commandment. And what does he say? He says, love your neighbor as yourself. What does he not say? Paul literally leaves out the first half of the commandment. Like, Paul's supposed to know his Bible, right? Like, you would think, and yet here he is instructing this group, and he leaves out the first half of this commandment. What in the world is going on? Does Paul think that it's no longer about anything? It's just become a kind of a social or secular gospel. It's just all about interactions of people and we leave God out of it and we just treat one another nice. Is that what he's saying? 
I don't think so at all. I think what he is saying is at this point in Paul's career is he's writing to this group and he's emphasizing the necessity for them to be in communion with one another. Remember, we've got these two groups, the Gentile believers and the Jewish believers, who are not getting along. That's the context of Romans. And he's writing to say, y'all, you got to get it together. You have to learn how to love one another. You have to learn how to be together. There is an assumption, first of all, that that first part, that they know that. So, so part of this is we can just assume this is shorthand. That Paul is just is quickly going. That, that they assume that, hey, we all love God here. So let's talk about what I want to emphasize, right? But I think there's something else going on here as well. I think Paul is purposely putting the emphasis on the act of loving each other. Because that is the essence of Christian worship in the new church age. Remember, Paul is, a, Paul is figuring this out as he goes. He grew up steeped in the rabbinical tradition, Second Temple Judaism, going to the temple, reciting the Torah, doing everything that his ancestors had done, thinking that that was what made him righteous. That was his whole upbringing. And then he has this Damascus Road experience with Jesus. Blinds him on the road. Changes his whole thought about who God is and how God is working and what this is all about. And then he goes, he has the task of being an apostle, be going out and teaching this to other people. But he's still trying to figure it out as he goes. Remember, Paul didn't have a Bible. He had the Old Testament. He was working it out as he went. And he was what he was doing was seeing, and he was having to have his imagination changed. And believe me, when you get to a certain age, it is hard to change your imagination. It's hard to start rethinking and think things work differently than, than the way you just assume they work your whole way you grew up. A lot of us in this church have experienced that and are experiencing that. And so he gets to this place and he's looking at these two groups of people and he's writing to this church. And he's, and he's really, it's really starting to seep into him that, that the worship, the place of worship is in the gathered community of Christians. It's no longer in Jerusalem. It's no longer in a building. And if it is in a building, we're in trouble this morning, right? <laughs> but it's no longer in a, in, a, in a place. It's in a people. That the place we are going to experience the presence of God is in the gathered community of saints, of apprentices to Jesus, of followers of Jesus. All races, backgrounds, socioeconomic classes, nationalities gathered together as one. And in this emphasis on this part of the great commandment, he is demonstrating, he is saying, this is loving the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Is when you are gathered together, loving your neighbors as yourself. 
So I think that's the first part is he's he's emphasizing this idea that that it is the love, right? They're going to know we are Christians by our love for one another. That the gathered, the presence of God is experienced in the gathered people of God and the people of God serving each other, not looking out for their own sake, as he writes in other places, but looking out for others as if that need was my own with that. He does this. And he, and he talks about these sins and he, and he talks about them almost in a flippant way, not as a way of breaking moral code, but as a way of distraction. He's saying, look, lay aside these things. Lay aside all these deeds. Lay aside these things. Not because they're bad in in and of themselves. They are. But the main thing is they're they're distracting you. They're keeping you from this love. They're keeping you from participating in it, from receiving it, and giving it. So that's why we reject these things. They're distractions. They keep us from that place. But then he takes the very next step, which which is really... Because look, I don't think many people are going to argue with the necessity for the Christian to love other people. Anybody? Yeah. We'll talk afterwards. (laughs) Um, It's a great idea, right? So what's the problem? Well, one of the problems is FOMO. One of the problems is we get stuck. We get hung up. We, we, we take in these messages of the world that distract us, one, but also we're like, well, I don't, I don't know how to do that. I don't know when to do that. I don't know who to do that for. I don't, I don't know. And, and if I do it wrong, am I going to miss out over here? If I don't do it the right way, is something bad going to happen? And that's why Paul writes what he writes next. So listen to what he says after he's laid this down. He says this, but make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all your day-to-day obligations that you lose track of time and doze off, oblivious to God. The night is over. Dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. God is putting the finishing touches on the salvation work that he began when we first believed. We can't afford to waste a minute. Must not squander these precious daylight hours in frivolity and indulgence, in sleeping around in dissipation, in bickering and grabbing everything in sight. Get out of bed and get dressed. Don't loiter and linger, waiting until the very last minute. Dress yourselves in Christ and be up and Tim taught a few weeks ago on, on the Christological hermeneutic or you know how we, we take on this cruciform life, this take on this life of Jesus. Paul uses this metaphor of putting on Jesus like a garment, like a like we get up and dressed, we, we actually take on the person of Jesus with this. He's saying the time to do that is now, y'all. Like what are we waiting for? What what are we waiting for? We can do this. We don't have to go to Jerusalem. We don't have to wait till we have a building. We don't have to wait till everything's perfect. We can do this now. Because, as I said earlier, the essence of the knowing is in the action. We talk about this a lot at Grace Church about 
how our modern enlightenment way of learning is hear something, understand it, and then do it. Maybe. Whereas the ancient way of wisdom was hear something, do it, and then understand it. Maybe. There's really no guarantees in that, but that's the, that's what Paul is saying is here. He says we have the invitation, the opportunity. The time is now. Now is the time to do these things. And again, the things that hold us back, we have to address those things. We have to recognize those things. Look, fear is not going to be a sufficient motivation. Whether it's the fear of missing out, like I've had a lot of my life, like I said, wanting to be older or wanting to be younger, fear that I was missing out on something or that I had missed something and I could never go back and get that again. Or whether it's it's fear of punishment with that. that comes. That's, that's been done away with. We don't have to worry about that. The fear of punishment is gone by the atonement of Jesus Christ. No, what we have to see is this invitation that is given to all of us to act now. Today is the day. Y'all, so guys make fun of me on the on, on bike rides when I say this, but we'll often be out on a bike ride somewhere and it'll be beautiful and we'll see the pasture going by or a mountain and I'll turn to whoever I'm riding with and I'll say, can you imagine we get to do this? Like, we get to do this. We get to be here right now. We don't have to be here. We get to be here. That, that's what Paul is saying is we get to do this. We get to love each other. We get to give and be in community with one another. We get to be the people of God. It is this, this cosmic, divine invitation that changes everything. So let's get up and let's do it. Let's participate in this thing. Thank you for listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. You can find more about us online at gracechurchnwa.org. Grace and peace.